Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Over the course of our show today, I want to do a couple of things with you. First of all, I'm going to tell you about something that I'm going to try this weekend in Indianapolis that I think is going to be really fun. And I hope it gives me a chance to interact with some of y'all who plan on being there. And uh, I can't wait to tell you more about this. We'll do that coming up. Also, one of the things I'm going to tell you a lot about today is something we're going to try tomorrow. And this is going to be really cool. And I was joking about this with our video audience a, a moment ago. It's the kind of thing we haven't really tried before. Trying new things always a little uh, uh, interesting for me. But nonetheless, we will have some fun with a big national championship preview tomorrow that we want you to be part of. And so we'll tell you about that over the course of our time together today as well. Let me begin, though, with this. I think one of the things that's interesting when you are on the doorstep of the final game of the season, one way or another, this is the last game of Georgia's uh, season coming up on Monday. A lot of us thought that Georgia had a chance to be in this spot, national championship game. A lot of us thought that Georgia might be playing Alabama uh, because of just, you know, <laughs> it seems like championships have a tendency to go through Alabama in recent years. In fact, there are guys like David Pollock who have kind of predicted everything the way that it's played out here thus far. Georgia losing to Alabama in the SEC Championship, getting its revenge in the National Championship game. Many of you remember Pollock saying that before the season began. There were other similar predictions of at least the idea that Georgia and Alabama could meet up twice here over the course of the season. Now, there are a lot of the ways in which Georgia has gotten here that are a little bit surprising, but Georgia being where it is right now is not necessarily the most surprising thing. There were certainly plenty of people, whether you thought Georgia would win this game or not, there are certainly plenty of people who thought it was a strong possibility that Georgia could be in this game. So with that in mind, and sometimes I think it's kind of interesting to go way back in the past and identify some of the things that were said before the season took place about what it would take to get Georgia to this point and what it would take to get Georgia over this hump and actually win the national championship. And I want to focus in on one thing Kirby Smart said in particular. I want to go back in a moment to the summertime, preseason, before the year began. And I want to kind of focus in on something from Kirby Smart because if the preseason promise that Kirby Smart made in the clip you're about to hear if this promise comes to fruition, if it's fully fulfilled on Monday night, then I don't think there's any doubt that Georgia's going to beat Alabama and Georgia's going to be on that field, confetti raining down again, much the same way it was this past Friday, and Georgia will be the reigning national champions in college football. If the preseason promise that Kirby Smart made way back in before the year began, if it does truly come to fulfillment there on Monday now let me give you a little context for this this is smart talking about what he had seen from recent national champions the success they enjoyed this is also smart speaking at the time from the vantage point of the assumption that JT Daniels was going to be Georgia's starting quarterback this season which you know frankly is a different topic for a different day but but that's the context here he's talking about what recent national champions have done and he's talking about the quarterback he has JT Daniels that will help be a part of all of this but Pushing that aside for a moment, Smart uses the word playmakers a couple of times here in this clip about what Georgia needs to do to resemble recent national champions. This was Smart's sort of preseason expectation for how this Georgia offense would unfold here this year. And I think on the doorstep of playing the biggest game of them all, 
What Smart said before the year began to me seems more relevant now than ever before. This is Kirby Smart from the summer. Using your playmakers, Coach Muckin has that experience doing it in the NFL. I mean, with Tampa Bay, they led the league in, in passing. So he has, we have the, the recipe for those things. we got to stay healthy. we got to protect the quarterback. And we got to find some more school players to make plays for us. So Kirby Smart says, yeah, you got to stay healthy. you got to protect quarterback, things like that. But at the beginning of that clip, at the end of that clip, he says, you got to use playmakers. At the you, you got to go out there and cultivate playmakers and use them, get the most out of them. Lean on Todd Munkin's experience as an NFL play caller, someone who has experience doing this in the Sunday League. Lean on that experience, and if you do that, you have a chance to have a very special season, much the same way previous national champions have had. Guess what? When Kirby Smart said that this summer it was true and on the doorstep of Georgia playing the most important game that it could ever play against Alabama on Monday night, Smart's words from the summer remain just as true, if not more true. That if Smart really can, and Todd Munkin is the leader of this offense, if they really can put Georgia's full display of playmakers into action on Monday, that right there could truly be the difference. And I love the fact that Smart articulates it as, Todd Munkin, based on what he's done in the past, being the reason to believe that that Georgia can do that right now. And let's be clear, Georgia has had a very successful offense here this season. The the numbers for Stetson Bennett have been spectacular for the most part. Uh, Look at efficiency rating, things like that. The overall total offensive picture for Georgia has been pretty spectacular. Points per game, you know, things along those lines. This has been a very efficient, very successful Georgia offense. I would say the best of the Kirby Smart era. I would also say given the opponent, given the stage, that offense that needs to be very successful, that has been very successful, needs to be even more successful in a game like this to be able to get that done. And Smart pointing the finger at Todd Munkin before the year began as this is the guy who's going to lead us there. Using his NFL pedigree, what Smart said then also seems just as important, if not more important and more true, relevant than ever, going into the game against Alabama. So with that in mind, I just went back in time with Kirby Smart to the summer on the notion of getting playmakers involved. That's how you make yourself look like a national champion. Todd Munkin, NFL you know, pedigree, has a chance to do that. What if we went back in time even further for a moment? Let's look at Todd Munkin here for a moment. Not anything that he said this week. Let's go back to when he was in the NFL, when he was doing the things that Kirby Smart said he did do as a way of previewing what Georgia might do here this year. Let's go back to when Todd Munkin was with the Cleveland Browns, talking about the time in Tampa, and that's what Kirby Smart also referenced there, as the play caller for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they had a very successful NFL-leading type passing offense. What Todd Munkin said about playmakers at the time also sort of feels pretty important to think about what's going to happen on Monday here. So to kind of set you up for this, Kirby Smart during the summer said, hey, we will look like a national champion if we cultivate playmakers and use them effectively. Todd Munkin's the guy to do that because he has done that in the NFL. Well, in the past, what has Todd Munkin said about his ability to to cultivate playmakers when he was in the NFL? Let's go back in time to his to his uh, tenure in Cleveland, looking back on that, rec- on that uh, NFL leading year in Tampa as a little bit of context, what can also happen on Monday. This, once again, is Todd Munkin. I think balance is multiple skill players touching the football. To me, it's it's not always just run pass. It's do you have enough skill players where they can touch the football? Last year at Tampa, we had almost had six guys, if OJ doesn't get hurt, of 700-plus yards. 
from line of scrimmage. Well, that to me, that's balance. You have a number of guys that can hurt you from a matchup standpoint. Is running the football important? Sure, because in order to win, you've got to be explosive and not turn the ball over. How do you become explosive space players and throwing it over their head or throwing intermediate pockets and running the football adds to that? I mean, listen, that is the kind of thing, the kind of language from Munkin that got Georgia fans excited about him before he was hired and is, or at, when he was hired. And his two years as Georgia offensive coordinator have clearly been successful. But this notion of you demonstrate your balance as an offensive coordinator by how many playmakers you get involved, echoing what Kirby Smart said in the summer, that will look the most like a national championship team when we cultivate these playmakers and use them effectively, isn't all of that what cries out to happen on Monday against Alabama? And if you want to make this time against the Crimson Tide different than previous times, isn't that the thing? That you know Brock Bauer's going to probably have a good game. He had a good game the last time. Had a good game against Michigan. These are defenses that are that are you know successful and certainly you know coaches smart enough to know that Georgia wants to throw the ball to Brock Bowers, and yet they still were able to do that anyway. I think you can rightly assume that Brock Bowers probably has a good game on Monday, but Bowers alone's not going to be enough. As Todd Munkin said, you have to have a balance of other playmakers getting involved as well. And this, to me, is the thing, that if you want to make this game better than the last time, the fair question to ask is, what's going to be different? Well, I think if you're a Georgia fan, here's the thing you got to hope is different. It's Brock Bowers plus James Cook. It's Brock Bowers plus more of George Pickens. It's Brock Bowers plus more of Darnell Washington. I mean, to me, those are really the guys right there, right? Um, a healthier Pickens who was on the field a lot against Michigan certainly did not shy away from the physicality in the game and now earns the right to potentially get more touches in this game against Alabama. Darnell Washington, who did have a touchdown against Alabama before, finding a way to use him even more. George is the only team in the country that can use Darnell Washington because he's, he's on their roster. And it's George's opportunity to use him as one of those playmakers that Smart was alluding to back in the summer, Monday night's the night to do that in the biggest way possible. I'd say the same thing about James Cook because of the versatility he showed uh, against uh, Michigan and some of the stuff that he's shown you this year. A guy like Jermaine Burton's on that list for me there as well. That finding someone, whether it's from the ranks of receivers like Burton, the ranks of uh, running backs like James Cook, another tight end like Darnell Washington, finding you someone who can be a playmaker alongside what Brock Bowers has been for you all year long, that's the way I believe to make this time against Alabama different than the last time, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So to sum all this up, Kirby Smart told you back during the preseason that when you look at recent national champions, here's what you see a breadth of playmakers who are put into space and given a chance to show what they're all about. And on Monday night, using the expertise that Todd Munkin cultivated while being in the NFL, Georgia has a chance to do that. They've turned Brock Bowers into one. He's had an unbelievable record-setting season for UGA. But can they find somebody else to go alongside Bowers in this big spot? If they do, I think there's a very good chance that Georgia is the national champion once this game is done. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, uh, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, podcast form, wherever you find it, including the world-famous dognation.com. Also, 945, first and 15, special video only for the folks that watch at uh, dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. We get going there. At 945, glad to have you with us as a part of what we're doing today. Our final edition of Dog Nation Daily before we head to Indianapolis. And boy, I tell you what, a 
really, uh, really, really exciting day for us, getting ready for everything that's going to go down. We couldn't do any of this without our friends at Kroger, who make this show possible and have been such good friends of ours for such a long time here around uh, Dog Nation Daily. And by the way, Kroger's got a great new program I want you to be aware of there as well. It's called Kroger Boost. It's an opportunity to join up and get more savings, more benefits, and an entirely new level of membership from our friends at Kroger. With Boost, you can get free grocery delivery, up to twice the uh, fuel points as well, and all kinds of special offers. And the good news is you can enroll for as little as $59 a year. Just $59 a year. So check out the website. It's Kroger.com slash Boost. That's Kroger.com slash Boost for your chance to be a part of that today. Something else you get a chance to be a part of here very soon is Jeff Sintel making an appearance in our program. Concurrent to this lead-up to the National Championship game, it's also been a busy time for recruiting with uh, the Under Armour game in Orlando, the All-American Bowl, this upcoming weekend in San Antonio. Obviously, Georgia hoping for some good news with uh, Ernest Green there in that spot. So we'll get a lot of updates on the Georgia recruiting story from Jeff here coming up in just a little bit. There's been a lot going on there on that front. Let me do this real quickly before we do. And before our show began, I was somewhat uh, uh, derided by our producer, Michael Carvel, for being too negative on this. I'm sarcastic by nature. But we're going to try something tomorrow that we've never done before. And I am legitimately <laughs> – I'm always somewhat pensive about how things like this work out. But – I am really excited about this there as well, because in my mind here this week, and I told you this on Thursday, that the reality of what Georgia's about to do just kind of overwhelmed me. Play for a national championship. Obviously, we all lived through this back in 2017, but now to be back in this spot again, and these are just the kind of the big moments. One way or another, for the good or for the bad, you will remember January 10th, 2022 for the rest of your life, either as a continuation of a narrative that you don't like or the stawning and the, and the turning of a page of a new chapter that is obviously quite favorable one way or another, we're going to really remember this night for many years to come. And so the buildup to that, I think, should fully appreciate the weight of what's at stake during that game. So I wanted to kind of do something we've never done before. So here's what we're going to do tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean Saturday. Tomorrow at 1230 p.m., we're going to come on the air live from studio, and we're going to do another Chase for the Championship special, obviously presented by our friends at Kroger and Marlowe's Tavern and uh, R.S. Andrews and Georgia Farm Bureau. We're going to do a very special chase of the championship. And some of that's going to include looking at some of what is said by Georgia coaches and players moving into the uh, national championship game. They'll speak live from Indianapolis tomorrow. We'll give you some of that uh, on chase of the championship. But the thing we're going to do most of, which I'm really excited about, is we have never done kind of like the what you think of as the live caller show before. We've had the capabilities for years. We just haven't really done that. Part of that's because I'm an egomaniac and I like to <laughs> control the conversation. I say half kiddingly, but also because it's just sometimes just logistically speaking, kind of hard, you know, kind of hard to do that. We have a lot going on, a lot of news we have to cover. And so sometimes you don't get a chance to do as much of the things you'd like to do. But the Saturday before a national championship game on Monday feels like the right time to do this. If it, it feels like the kind of time where, hey, it's more than just my voice saying what um, what a national championship would mean, although I feel like I can certainly articulate my perspective on that. I think it's appropriate to hear from a number of voices there as well. So tomorrow we're going to invite you to be a part of the program live, not me reading your comments. You get a chance to voice your comment. And instead of doing this by phone call, although we could do that, I think it's going to be easier and, and really actually better if we do this via Zoom. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to blast out this link to anybody who wants it. Uh, we'll put it on the Dog Nation website. We'll put it on social media. We'll kind of put it everywhere. 
And when you, if you want to be a part of the conversation, I genuinely hope that you will be. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you simply are going to click into the link and you're going to be in a waiting room. And there's a very good chance that we may not be able to take every person that comes in. I'm going to really try to. I'm going to try to keep it moving on air to, you know, allow as many people to get in as possible. So if you come in and you say a few words and if I move on from you pretty quick, I'm not in trying to be rude. I'm just trying to get other people involved, if possible, that, that want to be. Going to try to do as much of that as we can. So we'll put you in the waiting room. We'll bring you on kind of one at a time. We'll kind of give you your piece. If you've ever listened to an old school call-in show or something along those lines, that is what this is going to be on video tomorrow. That means, you you know, show off your Georgia room. Some of you have cool ones. You can wear your Georgia gear. You can you can do whatever you want to. We'll let, folk, you'll, we'll let you tell folks your name. We'll let you tell folks what you think about the game, what a national championship would mean to you. And we're just going to try to get together underneath the umbrella of a Chase for the Championship show as a way of trying to put as many good vibes into the universe as we can about giving Georgia a a great chance to win this game on Monday. I'm really excited. I I love interactive stuff. I like reading your comments. And this is kind of the next level of that, the kind of thing on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger we just haven't really done before. And so uh, as a part of a chase for the championship show tomorrow, that is what we're going to do. Now, one more thing, and then we'll kind of move on from this. The other thing that we're going to do, or this I'm going to do personally, is I'm going to be in Indianapolis on Sunday night and Monday. Now, I got you know a lot of broadcasts I have to do on Monday but here's what I'm gonna try to do I'm going to take a bunch of Indianapolis themed dog nation chase for the championship t-shirts with me to Indianapolis and that means on Sunday night downtown area I'm gonna try to go out where dog fans are I'm gonna try to you know you know come out and see you wherever you are I'm gonna try to give out as many chase for the championship t-shirts as I can now being in Indianapolis, it would probably make more sense if I was giving out Chase the Championship Parkas because of how cold it's going to be. But nonetheless, uh, I think the T-shirt's going to be a really cool memory for you. Uh, Michael, how hard would it be? Can you pull up the Chase the Championship logo? Do you have that? Um, pull that up on the screen if you don't mind. Uh, we have Chase for the Championship T-shirts on the way to Indianapolis. Uh, just kind of a cool memory of you know us you know, kind of going there. Yeah, that's what the logo looks like. The highway sign on the way to Indianapolis, chase for the championship. When Georgia wins the national championship on Monday, you're going to be really glad you have one of these T-shirts. And I've got a bunch of them that I'm going to give away in Indianapolis on Sunday night. I'm going to give some of those away before the game there on Monday. I'm literally going to be like Santa Claus walking around with a bag full of T-shirts, you know, giving these kinds of things out. Just something fun I want to do. Um, Don't have to do this. I just want to do it. So we're going to do this in Indianapolis. So hit me up. Let me know where you're going to be. Let me know where dog fans are going to be. I'll let you know kind of where I am. I'm going to just try to be out and about uh, a a bunch on Sunday evening doing this uh, because I'm not going to be there technically until Sunday, but a bunch on Sunday evening doing this, uh, a bunch on Monday. Let's just have a good time. I mean – Look, this is kind of all I want out of all of this. Let's just make this a fun weekend. You know, those of us who get a chance to be there, or really those of us who get a chance to even even watch this with, with family and friends, we're lucky. This is fun. It's supposed to be fun. Let's make this as much fun as we can. So one of my ways to do that, be with you live tomorrow, take your calls on video. Also, uh, in Indianapolis this weekend, uh, giving out those Chase for the Championship t-shirts. And then when George wins that national championship, you can hold that thing up and say, wow, I got a real cool souvenir. By the way, that's totally free. Uh, those, those are free t-shirts. Just simply find me, and I'll make sure I give you one while supplies last, as the uh, marketing folks make me say. But uh, nonetheless, it's just going to be a really fun weekend all the way around with that. All right, let's do a quick version of Around the Doghouse uh, before we bring on Jeff Sintel. And 
A moment ago, I gave you, I think, one offensive key to victory for Georgia. Get playmakers involved. We know Brock Bowers can have a good game. And yeah, I know that uh, Todd Monk was asked this week about, well, you worried about Alabama taking Brock Bowers away? Listen, Alabama knew how good Brock Bowers was going into the last game. So did Michigan there as well. They still couldn't take him away. That's how good Brock Bowers is right now. But you got to have more than just Brock Bowers in this game. I want Bowers to be as effective as he was the last time. I just want somebody else to be kind of there alongside with that, creating the same kind of dynamic playmaking thing. Smart said in the offseason, this is what national champions do. On Monday, Georgia gets to be a national champion by doing just that. But let me give you the other side of the ball just for a moment. Because the key to the game defensively, and you already know this before I say it, it literally doesn't get more you know, you know, simpler than this. Georgia has got to get that pass rush going. And you have heard it said a thousand different times this week about how Georgia does that. It's almost like it's a challenge to even you know, kind of rephrase it in a way that hasn't already been heard. But to me, it kind of comes down to just something this basic. What is Alabama's number one strength? It's the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Bryce Young, the best young quarterback in the game right now. Um, even Georgia at its best offensively, it's difficult to match what Bryce Young provides for you because that's how good he is. And yet Georgia's number one strength is his defense. Georgia's got the best defense in the country. Didn't look like that the last time these two teams play. But over the course of 14 games, clearly been the best defense in the country. Can make a case of one of the best defenses in recent history in college football. So you potentially have Bama's strength against Georgia's strength. And in the first game when these two teams played, it was the Bama strength passing game that dictated the way in which the game was played. And that just can't be true this time. You know, Georgia's got to assert itself defensively really from the word go. Pass pressure is the way that you do that. And when Dan Lanning, who will be in his last game officially as Georgia uh, assistant coach and defensive coordinator uh, on Monday night, when Lanning spoke a little earlier this week, he certainly acknowledged that, yeah, pressure is something that, that Georgia definitely wants to get against Bryce Young on Monday. But he was a little coy about exactly how UGA gets that done. This is what Lanning said. Yeah, um, you know, ultimately we want to create pressure. We want to be able to get after Bryce. As far as how we're going to do it, I don't want to give away all our secrets yet. I mean, hopefully we can wait until after the game to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we want to generate pressure, and certainly there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, he's really good at, at avoiding the rush, and, and they did some unique things uh, to protect him. So we have to attack it a little bit differently, but, um, you know, how we do that, there, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. I won't pretend to be as smart as Dan Lanning when it comes to football or Kirby Smart either. To my eyes, the one thing it certainly seemed like, and we kind of got into this a little bit with Connor Riley when he was on the show on Tuesday, is you know a lot of that attempt to, to bring the heat on Young the first time around seemed to come up from up the middle. And you understand why that'd be the case when you've got guys like N'Kobe and Channing Tindall. Those are really good players, and you've got to involve them in as many ways as you can. But it's also kind of playing into Bryce Young's strength. If you've got a quarterback like Mac Jones back there, you know, pressure from up the middle probably makes some sense because he's not as good at using lateral quickness to avoid that. Uh, but in the case of Young, it's almost like you want to bring that pressure around the edge, A, because that's where your Trayvon Walkers and your Nolan Smiths are, and guys like that have to have a big game on Monday, but also because, honestly, I want to see if Bryce Young wants to step into that pocket. I want to see if he wants to step into those throws. I want to see what happens when he knows he's about to get walloped. Now, as Mike Griffith pointed out, I think last night, you know, Georgia did get some some you know technical pressures, if you want to define them that way, on Young. They didn't really turn into knockdowns. They didn't really turn into sacks. You've got to actually get home in this game on Monday 
but whether it's because of a better scheme, hopefully, or just better individual performances, maybe Georgia getting that pressure coming off the edge, forcing Young to step into a crowded pocket with guys breathing right into his face and finding out how comfortable he is throwing the football under those circumstances. When it comes to this game on on Monday, it really is just that simple. All right, before we are done on today's show, there are a couple of things that I'm going to acknowledge you from a superstitious standpoint that I'm going to do, uh, you know, related to Monday. One of those things on this show here today, and one of those things is actually on Monday night. Now, I I am not a superstitious person. I really am not. I, I don't find superstition to be a uh, particularly admirable trait, but <laughs> I'm also willing to pull out all the stops for a game like this. So uh, a little bit of a superstition that I'm going to attempt to adhere to going into Monday. I'll tell you about that. I'll also try to, you know, handle something on today's show in that regard there as well. So we'll do a lot of that coming up. There's also some interesting news around the rest of the SEC, some big time transfer names, some other stuff kind of going on there. So we'll cover all the bases on that. But for now, in San Antonio, where the All-American Bowl takes place on Saturday, and Georgia get, hopes to get some good news from four-star offensive lineman Ernest Green prior to that in Orlando, the Under Armour game where a lot of Georgia targets had a, and, and Georgia uh, uh, signees had a chance to really show out. It has actually been a busy last few days for Georgia recruiting, and so we're going to cover all of that here today. We'll get ready to welcome in Jeff Sintel as we go on the road, assisted by AAA, before we hit the road and head to uh, Indianapolis for the weekend. Jeff's going to be there as well. So thanks to all of you for being with us on the uh, program today. Glad to have Jeff Sintel here as well as we check in on some UGA recruiting talk on the road, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. On the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. And boy, Jeff's covered a lot of ground here recently in Orlando, in Miami, then to San Antonio, finishing things off here in Indianapolis coming up on the weekend. But obviously a lot of UGA recruiting stuff to talk about right now. And so, you know, Jeff, you're in San Antonio where the All-American Bowl is going to take place on Saturday, tomorrow. And, you know, I, I think you're probably like me. In a lot of ways, the practice is more more interesting than the game. Uh, not, I mean, I like the f- fact the players get the game on TV as a reward for the great careers they've had. But in terms of the evaluation stuff, um, it's, it's really sometimes the practices that I think kind of loom as more important. So you've been evaluating UGA prospects over the course of the last few days. You've had a chance to watch some of those guys play and also in comparison to some of the guys that will be playing against them for some future rival programs there as well. Let me just kind of dive in with this from San Antonio. What has jumped out to you this week? There's a lot, uh, Brandon, Brandon, and good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's getting geared up and uh, calming their inner Munson's here about the game on Monday. Uh, I, think, I think we were going back and forth on cover four last night, Brandon, and you made a point that probably deserved an amen from the corner. Uh, when you talked about the past, the past you know, folks got to remember, Kirby Smart has won an Orange Bowl, a Sugar Bowl, a Peach Bowl, a Rose Bowl in like six years as the Georgia head coach. I think Coach Dooley only won two of those. He only won two of those in all of his time as Georgia head coach for 25 years. That's the past. The present is they're playing for the national title. Nothing really more needs to be said about that. And let me give you a good dose of the future, Brandon. I think this recruiting class that Georgia has assembled here is just about perfect. And I say that because the just about clarifier 
is because they don't have that devastating dynamite wide receiver. And I'll have a, a kind of a really great story about that coming up probably shortly after the national championship game in this class and kind of the DNA of how that came to be. Georgia missing out on a top flight receiver again, Brandon. But here's the good stuff, man. Michael Williams has been the best player here at the All-American Bowl from the jump. And for me, I evaluate great players simply like this, especially by getting to see them at all these levels. You know, you think about Michael and you think about him from Hardaway High School, and that's an area where there's not a lot of football trainers. There's not a lot of great football. There's not a lot of facilities. There's not a lot of great football programs in the state of Georgia. You had to rank the Columbus area. I'd probably say it's the, probably the one of the one of the least successful uh, football pockets and hotbeds in the state of Georgia. You got Augusta. You got Albany. They're all way, well trailing behind like the Macon Central, Macon Middle Georgia area. Obviously, Metro Atlanta, Gwinnett County, and even South Georgia with places like Cockwood County, and you know, obviously Valdosta, places like that, and Camden. So, Michael comes out of that place, and he, I think he owes a lot of his gifts and his knowledge to uh, Chuck Smith, who does such a great job in the Atlanta area working working with stuff as Doctor Rush, Brandon. But I want to take you to a scene yesterday from practice, and Michael Williams has been the shining star of these practices so far because. He has elevated his game considerably, even against these great players. And I don't even think Trayvon Walker looked as effective in these elements, in these environments, in these events as Michael Williams has right now. And you know what, Brandon? Probably the second best guy here on the East team with the upside. Maybe second or third. You got to probably throw in a Penn State quarterback or a Penn State uh, running back here as well. But Marvin Jones Jr. has been really stinking good as well. And those two guys have played on the same side a lot. Michael's playing inside, more of like a you know a defensive tackle, and then Marvin's kind of coming out as more of a traditional edge. Yes, Michael's working as a five tech a lot of a lot of this stuff. And, and 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 what they did yesterday is they started talking to each other. Marvin was like, "Hey man, what are you doing so well? I need to get me some of that." Here's what happens, Brandon. Michael opens up the toolbox and starts articulating what he's doing, what he's thinking. The, the operational procedure of how he's dominating these guys for the West team. And those guys have a little 15 minute clinic. Michael was not only doing all these things well on the field, he was able to verbalize and teach those to Marvin Jones Jr. at the same time. Now, if we look at a player like Marvin Jones Jr., maybe his ceiling, maybe his upside is a lot bigger, maybe even a little bit higher than Michael Williams is right now, because he's got a long ways to go. He doesn't really know all these things and, you know, have the football savvy and IQ that Michael Williams does right now. But then you start piecing this together with everything around it. Gunnar Stockton's definitely one of the most accurate quarterbacks here. The boys gravitate to him at this All-American setting like they do in, at FBU events or like they did at 7-on-7 seven seven events. And here we are in an All-American game, and everybody loves Gunnar. They refer to him as, as their dad because he's the guy keeping everybody in check and keeping everybody in line. You look over across the practice field, Brandon, and you see Julian Humphrey. And, man, that guy cannot stay still for more than 37 seconds. You just look at all these pieces. And when, when this was coming together in December, I tweeted out something that just kind of coyly, kind of slyly pointed at what I was seeing developing. And I used the perfect storm clip from that, that, that movie with Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney. What George is putting together in this class with a lot of pieces, a lot of different pieces. And then you see a guy like Christian Miller who's looking at – 
what Georgia can be with a Marvin Jones and a, and a, and a Michael Williams on the front with different other pieces. And he, it really looks to me like Brandon, he likes what he, he has to see. He's going to take that thing to February the 2nd. But you combine that with what I saw at the Under Armour All-American game and guys like Branson Robinson, Jalen Walker, Cedric Washington Jr., Big Bear Alexander. Whoa, Nelly, I've got a great Big Bear Alexander story to share with you guys in a couple of days. But, I, I mean, it's just everything, Brandon, which makes me feel like, you know, when we were in that back and forth about how in the world can, you know, Georgia stay up with all these recruiting worries or those evils lurking around the corner, as you like to mention it. Folks, the players are are there. They're on their way. The covers are being cupboards are being refilled with some of that incredible Kroger boost type groceries and service. It really looks like this program is going to be a lot better two or three years from now than they are right now. So it's interesting on Mikhail Williams. I remember when the Alabama program first kind of really got it cooking under Nick Saban. I'm talking about when they were really cranking it out. And at the time, Georgia could only be envious of what Alabama was building there. And I remember the time, Jeff, what impressed me about the Alabama players they were bringing in, obviously the size and the athleticism to go along with that. But this is kind of a weird thing to notice. But the other thing I kind of noticed was their posture. Their big guys stood up tall, shoulders back. Not only did they have good size, they carried that good size in a very comfortable way. And that was, to me, always the hallmark of an Alabama player. You know, I remember being you know, on the field for like some of those – early Atlanta games when Alabama would be playing a Clemson or Virginia Tech or something like that. The Alabama players just look different than their opponent because they're standing tall, their shoulders are back. They just have this this imposing posture that made the players just seem very serious. And when Kirby Smart kind of really got it cranking at Georgia from a recruiting standpoint, one of the things that impressed me was all of a sudden Georgia had players that started looking like that too. They weren't big guys who were kind of hunched over. They were big guys who stood even taller, shoulders broad and back and you mentioned one of those guys a moment ago in Trayvon Walker I remember the first time I met Trayvon uh you know kind of end of season banquet event he's in a suit and tie but that's all you needed to know like this guy was clearly a football player by the way he wore a suit and tie and I've had a chance to meet Mikel a couple of times also kind of in a street uh clothes type situation and it's the same kind of thing for me where I mean clearly his credentials in the football field are well established but it's almost like there's a look that a guy like that gives off that reminds me of Trayvon Walker, which also kind of reminds me of the best of what's of what Nick Saban once brought to Alabama. That they're just some dude you just sort of look at him and tell. And for me, Mikael Williams is one of those guys I can just sort of look at and tell. You know, Brandon, here's what you you figured out with, um, and I'm glad you noticed that something has changed with Georgia over the last one or two recruiting cycles. And I mean that because they're recruiting linebackers, maybe traditional inside linebackers. That can, that can fill gaps and can flow sideline to sideline and chase guys down. You know, Jalen Walker, Cedric Washington, Shmuel Munden, uh, Xavier Sori Jr., guys that are kind of interchangeable at the inside or the outside spot. Uh, but then their recruiting classes were filled with guys like the pretty much incomparable Nolan Smith, who, you know, means so much and bleeds so much for George. You can tell it really cares about it. But physically, Brandon, he's only about six foot two and a half, six three, and about 230 pounds more like inside linebacker size. You look at MJ Sherman, a more, you know, a guy that's a little bit different than what the guys are recruiting now. Throw Chaz Chambliss in there as well. But look what George is bringing in in this class. Marvin Jones, man, is about six foot five, six four and three quarters and about 252 pounds. Michael's about six five and 260. And these are the guys that can play out in the edge. And 
man, it, it is so hard to not throw out a tantalizing name with player comps for what Michael and what Marvin Jones Jr. can be. But it looks like George is going after a guy, a prototype guy for that edge position that can do a lot of things, rush the passer, create havoc, what, what, what you will say. And, and they're getting guys now that are in that Joey Bosa mold, Brandon, that Chase Young physical package mold where it's a little bit different than the 6'3", 230 that everybody was thinking was the, you know, that hyper fast. Mikhail Sherman was very fast. Chas Chambliss is incredible. I think he makes a play every time he's on the field for Georgia, much like Javon Dumas Johnson. But you're getting guys that are bigger and longer and just athletic. And that seems where the game is going, Brandon. And I'm going to say this. This is, I'm trying to really avoid recency bias because I've been thinking about this for a lot of times. But Brandon Brother, these eyes have not seen two pass rushers quite like Marvin Jones Jr. and, and, and Michael Williams in a class, in one of Kirby Smart's classes yet. And then you're going to, drop in some names like Big Bear Alexander on that front as well and Jalen Walker and then all these terrific DBs. I mean, one one, one scouting service, Rivals.com, was talking to them this week, and they're now considering Julian Humphrey for five-star consideration. And, you know, he's playing right now with a hip flexor issue. You've got Oscar Delp, who's had a hamstring issue, and a guy that basically seems like everything he does is very easy. It doesn't look like he's extending a lot of effort when maybe he actually is. And, He's had a bust. He's had a kind of a, a kind of a, a hamstring that's been acting up on him all week, but he's still practicing. He's t- still taking reps, Brandon. He's actually old, the only real true tied in here uh, in, in San Antonio after a lot of COVID casualties and injury concerns to a lot of other guys. And man, everywhere you just look right now, it just seems everybody's focusing on right now and January 10th in Indianapolis. I'm gonna promise you this, man. The players are gonna keep getting better. And Georgia's going to keep getting into this spot with assemblage of roster talent that I think Emperor Palpatine would be proud of. So I want to talk about Ernest. Uh, excuse me. Uh, we'll get to Ernest Green in a moment. I want to talk to uh, tell you about Marvin Jones Jr. here because uh, you brought him up, but also your story on Jones at Dog Nation is just one of the best. I'm just telling you right now, folks should check that out. And, and, and the picture is, is just so perfect. Um, so for those who haven't seen it, and you go to dognation.com see it for yourself, and honestly, the picture the picture tells the story, but the story itself goes along with it very well. Um, so the picture is Jones in the middle with a gazillion uh, Michigan fans around him. Jeff, how did you know where Jones was in the stadium to get this shot? Well, you know, I got I got to think uh, I got to thank a lot of people because it's like you know I try to wear a lot of hats for Dog Nation. I'm trying to turn kind of turned myself into, I guess, a decent photographer over the last few years. I'd never taken a picture as a media professional until I started working for Dog Nation that was published. Um, I got to think, uh, you know, BJ Sweeney, the guy that really calls the shots for us, he allowed me to get the gear that I needed to go cover these events. So I had this big, you know, daddy rabbit, granddaddy long legs, 400 millimeter lens. And then it's, you know, following the families and following these guys well enough to know kind of where they're sitting and then, like, having the ability to, like, whip around after a big Georgia score and kind of get Marvin's reaction. And when I saw those pictures, I thought, let me see if I can just weave it all together. The picture, the zoomed-in picture, and, and then it looked like freaking where, where's Waldo. I was hysterical when I saw it, and I started talking to, talking to Marvin about it. And he was like, yeah. It, it was funny. They started asking him, and they were like, yeah. hey, do you, do you play? Do, are you, you like Georgia or something? Are you a fan? Do you play football at all? And he literally was like, I'm going to go play football there next year. And the whole section was like, 
deadpan silence. I mean, it was all he had to say. And then, well, first of all, it's the first it's the first five star athlete a uh, Michigan fan's ever seen their entire life. So that 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 in itself was probably surprising (laughs) to them. Good one, good one, good one. Yeah, they were probably like, "Oh, that's what one of those looks like." And you know, everybody's been asking me this question: Is his mom, Alex Jones? You know, wonderful lady, nice lady, really, really great mom, really cares about her kids. You know, Marvin was telling me he's like, "I got to be in charge of tickets next time because when his mom, they live in Fort Lauderdale, when they bought the tickets." Uh, she didn't know there was a home side or a visiting side or a Michigan side or anything like that. So they got dropped right in the middle of Michigansville and basically felt like Ann Arbor or Detroit to them. And, and he looks around, and it's just one of those things. I remember those Sports Illustrated photos growing up where there was faces in the crowd and, like, Michael yeah. Irvin would score a touchdown, and there'd be people in the crowd behind him going bonkers, and you just look at each one or – some of those great photos from the Masters, and you see everybody in the gallery right. behind them. And no, that's a great the, photo. The, the, the eyes on their faces where they're, like, wanting to react to everything. And you got Marvin just living it up as a dog in the middle of Michigan folks right there. And it was one of those things where I, I have the opportunity, and I, and I consider this to be a great opportunity to kind of wear a lot of hats for us and so I could take the photo and the relationship and then talk to him, hear all about it in detail at the – at the Army All-American Bowl, and I was like, you know, I've got a lot of stories to write here from this, but sometimes I'm guilty of writing the ones that are the most fun to write first, and I had to write that one about Marvin's, Marvin Jones Jr., man, because not only is he an absolute dude, um, he's a guy that's going to do a lot of great things for Georgia. Wait till you hear a couple of stories about his recruitment I've got to share, but uh, this is what, this is what when you can put all that together, and I, I love it how everybody responded to it. Everybody was asking me on social media, I don't know what they end up sitting there. Didn't they know that? And I was hopefully. Well, no, I, I, well, I'll add to this though, Jeff. One of the reasons why I like the story so much, and it is truly a great story that everyone should go out of their way trying to find because it's so funny to hear Jones talking trash to these fans before they realize that he was a five-star UGA signee. Like that's just hilarious to me. But the other thing though is, is Jeff, you know, my wife and kids were at the game and they were in very much the same situation to begin the game where like it could have been the three of them surrounded by the same collection of maize and blue. And my wife, who's like the most mild mannered person in the world, was so frustrated by this. It's not because the Michigan fans were talking about the trash and stuff like that, but like they're total like amateur hour fans. They haven't played in a big game since the leather helmet days. They're vomiting all over themselves. They have no idea, you know, how to handle their liquor for a game like this. And she says, we got to get out of here. And so, like, they literally packed up and moved to a different section. And there were some Georgia fans who were very nice to kind of welcome them in and, you know, let them, you know, you know sit in some uh, seats amongst other Georgia fans or whatever else. But my wife could have literally been the same situation that Marvin Jones uh, Jr. was in, surrounded by Michigan fans who were vomiting all over themselves because they didn't know how to handle their liquor in a uh, – in, in a big game situation like this so part of the reason why i like the story so much is it hit, hits very close to home for what my family dealt with during the game that's that's crazy man that's crazy man you, you sound like rick flair right there talking about spilt liquor there brandon talking about all those michigan fans and, and not knowing what it's like to be there at that stage but Man, you should have told me where the, the Adams clam was. I bet that would have been a good family picture, too, to put over the mantle. All right, let me do this really quickly. Uh, it's our uh, uh, On the Road Assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. By the way, speaking of uh, AAA, we'll get into the Ernest Green stuff here in a moment because uh, obviously that's big news tomorrow. But don't forget, AAA – Got you covered, obviously, when it comes to roadside assistance. A lot of folks traveling this time of year. But beyond that, they got you covered on auto insurance there as well. Because 
Right now, putting extra money in your pocket is a very big deal. And with AAA, when you switch and save, that's exactly what you're going to do. Hundreds of dollars, potentially. So find out more about this. AAA.com slash autoinsurance. That's the website to get check out. Once again, AAA.com slash autoinsurance. You can also give them a call there as well if you'd like to. 866-380-1637. Uh, 866-380-1637. Uh, check out AAA today and make a big decision to put more money in your pocket when it comes to auto insurance. All right, so Jeff, the big news tomorrow is going to be the decision for four-star offensive lineman Ernest Green. Obviously, this is a very good-looking prospect. It's also the kind of player, frankly, that Georgia really needs. You know, I, mean, I think that it's, it's pretty important that Georgia add that kind of top-shelf-level offensive lineman to this class. I haven't really done that as of yet. Not to say the guys that Georgia are bringing in aren't good prospects, but, but Green's just of a different level than all of that. So a lot of Georgia fans watching closely in on this, and I – have to say that the overall vibe around the green story, best I can tell, is pretty positive. You have any reason to throw hot or cold water on that? Well, everything here in San Antonio is pretty cold right now, Brandon. It's about 34 degrees. I'm about to head out to a practice. But you, you, you just sense that Georgia, Georgia and Ernest Green, you know, you kind of teed it up pretty well there, Brandon. This would have been the first year when I'm going to write my overview and summation of the 2022 recruiting class. For a while there, Brandon, it looked like the first year where this was the first one where Georgia didn't add in Kirby Smart's time a top 100 overall lineman. But all of a sudden, you've got Georgia, who was really trying, kind of trailing Ohio State, and then they were, then they kind of got in a good spot this fall around the official visit, and then there came Alabama with some strong interest that really got turned his head, and now Georgia's kind of right back in the mix of things here. And you know, one of the things he's rated as the nation's number two off, interior offensive lineman number 40 overall prospect, but he is, Brandon, he's pretty much, and he's six foot, six foot three and almost six foot four. He's about 350 with 35-inch arms. Um, he sounds pretty set on being an offensive tackle in college. That's been the pitch that he's been most receptive to from all of these schools. And, um, you know, he thinks he can play tackle at the next level, and, uh, goodness, he's got the size and the ability to do that. He's probably, Brandon, they brought out, to show you what kind of prospect he is, they brought out, they pulled the boys out earlier this week for some promotional photos for NBC Sports and the and the green and black uniforms and then the uh, pink and blue uniforms that they're going to be wearing. And uh, Michael Williams was one of the two that representatives for the East team and one of the two representatives for the West team uh, was Ernest Green the third. And man, it certainly seems like Georgia Georgia fans probably need to turn tune into that decision on on, on Saturday because. It's certainly certainly the vibe here around Ernest Green the third. Seems like Georgia might have made this a really big race with Alabama and might even have, might even have closed this thing down. That's fun stuff to think about. Uh, good stuff all the way around, Jeff. I look forward to seeing you in Indianapolis. Look forward to more of your coverage from San Antonio before we get there for that. And we've been on this call for a lot of time now, so don't really get into the Christian Miller stuff or the uh, the Shamar Stewart stuff. But obviously, that will hold over for us there for a uh, little while. So. We will look forward to having that conversation in the time to come and obviously appreciate your time here on this program here today. Hey, thanks, B.A. Hey, man, I'll see everybody in Indianapolis. Get there safely, everybody. Sounds good. You as well, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I mean, I don't say this unless I mean it, but you really should go out of your way on the Marvin Jones thing. I just think it's really fun. The, the picture's great. Jones' story about going back and forth. I mean, this is kind of like for the rest of time, it's always going to be one of those things where Georgia fans like Georgia players who 
consider themselves to also be Georgia fans, and Marvin Jones Jr. certainly had the look of that in that game there uh, this past Friday. So that was that was just fun. Uh, uh, really, really good stuff there. By the way, what else is good? How about our friends from Royal Caribbean? We go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. You know what they do now. Uh, back on the seas again, everybody having a great time there, taking advantage of the wonderful ports being visited by uh, uh, Royal Caribbean, including Perfect Day, Coco Cay. That's the private island oasis that's available and exclusive to those who are on Royal Caribbean cruise ships, taking those Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. But it's not just that, it's the onboard entertainment there as well. I mean, I think one of the things within the cruise industry Royal Caribbean's really known for is setting the standard when it comes to onboard entertainment, whether it be the, the kind of activities you can participate in, like the, you know, the all, all kinds of you know cool stuff related to that, but also the the, the bars, the lounges, the, the specialty dining, just so much fun stuff to enjoy when it comes to a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And you can find out more about all of this yourself when you use the resource that we use for all the Royal Caribbean cruises that we're booking around here. I'm talking about the Cruise and Vacation Authority. You can check them out online, tcava.com. That's the website, tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. They know Royal Caribbean. They're UGA uh, folks that run the place. So it's it's, it's good to, to be with them because they got a tie to us here at Dog Nation. Uh, and with, with uh, UGA football, they know more about Royal Caribbean than anybody possibly could. They can certainly set you up to have the most enjoyable Royal Caribbean cruise vacation possible. So make sure you check that out today. All right, we have got a lot to do here, so let's dive into that as a part of cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I thought this was kind of interesting. So there are a lot of um, alternate broadcasts this time of year via ESPN when it comes to college football playoff and some of the bowl games. I was watching the Rose Bowl from a bar the other night, and uh, uh, I, the TV that I happened to be sitting in front of me was that, like, what do you call it, like the... It's basically like the almost like the producer look where you have like the multiple screens. You got the, the the ISO on the coaches in both corners. You've got multiple angles of the game being shown at the same time. So it's basically like a grid of screens that you're watching from. That's what ESPN it was ESPN two was showing this for the Rose Bowl. And so I'm sitting there. That's the way I'm watching the Rose Bowl the other night because I'm kind of you know watching that as I'm having a beverage and and e- eating a meal and. It's just kind of a time to experiment because you've got all these networks and you might as well show different feeds of the game. And, you know, for, for the national championship game, I think the SEC network will have, like, the hometown announcers feed. But also one of the things you do is that, what, mega cast where you have the, the coaches feed. In the past, it's been a bunch of coaches from across college football who kind of come in for something like this. They are not doing that this year. I don't know if they think this is just a better idea or if it's simply an easier idea, COVID and everything else. But this year, the mega cast coaches feed is going to be Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher and his assistants there from Texas A&M. It's a little bit of a different idea, I guess. And on the one hand, I think there's a couple different vantage points that people look at this from. They're probably a little disappointed that you don't have more well-known coaches doing this, other head coaches, as opposed to just the uh, just the A&M assistants. On the other hand, it's like, wait a second, how are we letting Jimbo Fisher angle in here and get himself some publicity on a day that should be about Georgia and Alabama? That's probably a fair question to ask as well. But for the non-Georgia or Alabama affiliated, and really the non-Texas A&M affiliated, I think there's a chance that one coaching staff doing this together could actually make for a decent broadcast in that these guys have a little bit of chemistry with each other. They talk to each other about football and film all the time. And so the way in which they interact with each other could actually lead to some pretty interesting stuff. But it did get some attention that, oh, they're doing the megacast different this year. They're bringing in 
one coaching staff and actually ends up being a pretty big commercial for uh, Texas A&M who is getting a lot of those kinds of things right now by the way speaking of A&M former quarterback Zach Calzada is on the move and he's transferring to Auburn now this becomes yeah, there you go that's a nice look at Zach Calzada in the new uh, Auburn uniform there this becomes a pretty interesting offseason for the Iron Bowl because Calzada's actually got something pretty interesting going for him is he beat Alabama and you listen on the whole notion of instead of if you can't beat them join them um, if you didn't beat them, join up with somebody who did. You know, that's what they're. I, I guess Auburn's doing with Zach Calzada right now. And this is some much-needed positive news for an Auburn program that's just not getting a lot of that. Uh, you know, guys like Shane Beamer, guys like Josh Heupel had much better, I think, first years in terms of making their fans believers what can happen in the future. Auburn didn't really have a lot of that kind of stuff. And I don't know that at times Brian Harson necessarily felt all that well-ingrained to the Southern culture. When you got somebody who kind of comes from outside the the culture, inside the culture, they may do a lot of things to try to make it make themselves pretend like they're an insider that they fit in. But sometimes those attempts kind of fall flat. And I think in the case of uh, Brian Harson, some of that kind of fell flat for him there as well. He wasn't faking accents the way that Brian Kelly does, but he seemed to be having just as much of a hard time kind of ingratiating himself to as Auburn likes to think of itself as the Auburn family. Getting Zach Calzada will help some of that out a little bit. I still don't know how good Calzada is because the truth is he never came close to playing nearly as well against anybody else as he did against Alabama, which just goes to show you how weird a sport college football can be from time to time. But this is a big addition for Auburn, not the first big addition we're going to discuss in the transfer portal this offseason or some big departures coming for almost every program in the league, probably there as well. But one of the first big announcements along those lines is in the person of Zach Calzada. But speaking of quarterbacks, transfer portal, I saw where Charlie Batch, yeah, here's Batch on Twitter. Let me read this to you. He says to Caleb Williams, hey, Caleb Williams, have you considered coming to Eastern Michigan? My guess is the answer that's probably no. Uh, he says, if not, you should. Game Above Capital, I guess that's a company that Batch works for, is prepared to pay you, in all caps here, $1 million for one year. Are you ready to be an Eagle? My guess is even for a million dollars, the answer to that question is probably no, because Williams' long-term future is worth a lot more potentially than just $1 million. But this is another example of what we kind of have a lot of here right now, where there's a lot of bold print headlines. Charlie Batch offers Caleb Williams a million dollars. Well, if Eastern Michigan's doing this, what's so-and-so school going to do? And the honest truth is, is that Williams probably does have an opportunity to make himself some money here on the open market as a part of the transfer portal in kind of the second offseason of NIL. But I still kind of circle back on this the same way that I have now for a while, that most of what gets kicked around related to name, image, likeness is simply unsubstantiated rumors. And I think at some point in time, somebody's got to do some true actual reporting about what's really going on. I've told you before, I don't believe that Quinn Ewers got a million dollars for going to Ohio State. I, I just don't believe that. Uh, you know, I know a little thing or two about the business world. I know a little thing or two about uh, equity stakes and kind of phony companies with Mickey Mouse valuations. And sometimes that's the kind of thing that sort of feels like it's part of this. And I'm not trying to be a hater because if he is getting a million dollars, he probably deserves it. He's a very good uh, player, at least he has the potential to be. But I think right now we're kind of in a world where we're so new into the name, image, likeness world that um, a big seven-figure sum looks so good in a headline that there aren't very many reporters who really want to question the veracity of that claim. For the player, it certainly sounds good to make it be thought that you're 
getting offered that kind of money for the program. Obviously, it sounds good to be connected to that kind of rumor because other recruits might want to come and be a part of your program. For the kind of booster who might be throwing that kind of money around, it's obviously very good to to be kind of thought of as a as a big shot. But it doesn't seem like right now we're kind of actually going back and, and, and doing our homework very well on what actually is happening. Everybody's got a motive to exaggerate claims like this just because it makes you sound big and bad and, you know, makes it sound fun and, you know, big numbers look good in headlines. Therefore, the media, for the most part, is a willing accomplice on all of this. But at a certain point, especially during this offseason where you know, there's all kinds of innuendo and, you know, some of that's been shot down already. Others of it kind of linger out there in the atmosphere a little bit. Getting a little more actual, true, factual reporting on what's truly going on here, I think that actually do us uh, some some good, and we'll see if anybody actually wants to do that. By the way, one more transfer story to get to. No word on if NIL played a role in this or not. But Zach Evans, you know him. He is on his way to Ole Miss. Uh, Good-looking uh, shot there on the screen. Michael Carvel providing that force there as well. First of all, I love those powder blue Ole Miss uniforms. I just do. The powder blue Ole Miss jerseys are absolutely fantastic. Uh, nice uh, verse of scripture there from Evans, leaving TCU on his way to Ole Miss. And I told you yesterday, I think this offseason sets up to be a little tumultuous for the Rebels. Lane Kiffin maybe wanted to leave, take a bigger job. I don't quite know that he had an offer to do that. He's lost both of his coordinators. Ole Miss kind of swung and missed for its 2022 signing class that Kiffin now kind of becomes a version of what Dan Mullen once was, um, going to the transfer portal to get what you couldn't get in recruiting. And that can be a recipe to put a pretty good roster together. I mean, obviously, a guy like Zach Evans proved at TCU that he really is a good player. And, you know, I don't think that Georgia ever got involved second time around on Zach Evans because I feel like they'd been down that road. I feel like Georgia thought it had been down that road. But Evans in the SEC is an impact player in the SEC West, and so that is clearly some good news for Ole Miss there on that. We will make that. Cruise and run the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, two words on a little bit of uh, superstition from me coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me give a shout-out to my friends at the Finish Long Drink. You know, <sighs> this time of year as you head towards a national championship game on Monday – little beverage in your hand probably feels like the right thing to do. Nice cold can. And a lot of times when you're thinking cold can in your hand, you're thinking beer. Well, my friends with friends at the Finish Longer, that comes in a can as well. It looks like a beer, but it's not. It's the kind of thing you want to try if you haven't tried it before. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. comes in four different varieties. Uh, there's the blue can, which you just saw on the screen a moment ago. That's traditional. It's got the uh, gin kick, the grapefruit flavor. you got the Long Drink Cranberry, which is as it is described, cranberry flavor, long drink dr strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. That's a black can. Long drink zero, zero carbs, zero sugar. You can also go to thelongdrink.com, put in your zip code, find out where you can pick up some today, and you can get one of these eight-can variety packs, which includes two different versions of each of the long drink varieties, eight cans, two cans of each variety. You can find that out today by checking out thelongdrink.com. It's been in the United States now for a couple of years, started in Finland back in Helsinki in the 1950s, but it's in Georgia now, so thelongdrink.com and find out where you can get more of that. So a couple of things here for a moment. I don't consider myself to be a superstitious person, but I am going to engage in two activities of superstition right now as a way to uh, hopefully exercise some demons going into Monday. If you're watching on video, I'm going to show you this. And if you're listening radio podcast, you won't be able to see this. But nonetheless, I want to do this. This is a Dog Nation quarter zip pullover. 
it is essentially my game day uniform when the weather kind of dips below 60 degrees. I almost always wear this Dog Nation quarter zip black pullover over the uh, red shirt. You know, that's just kind of my yes, – a lot of people have kind of a game day uniform. This is kind of my game day uniform. I like to kind of support the Dog Nation brand. Yeah, we'll come in close on this. I like to support the Dog Nation brand. Uh, it just kind of makes some sense to do it. It's comfortable. I like the quarter zip golf pullover thing. It's just kind of my look, kind of my thing. That's what I like to do. But it did occur to me this week that because I wear this so much, I have also worn this every single one of the recent losses that Georgia has had to Alabama. I was wearing this in December in the SEC title game, almost certainly. I, I know for a fact I was wearing this in the 2017 national title game, 2018 SEC title game. The uh, pretty sure I was wearing it last October in uh, Tuscaloosa because the weather had at least cooled off enough where I probably was. Maybe I wasn't, but I think I was. But at least three of these four losses, I had been wearing this quarter zip pullover there at that time. And so what I have decided is, as a way of just trying to change up the, uh, just trying to change up the vibe. I am not a superstitious person. I am not. But as a way of trying to change it up here and change up the vibe, I am not wearing this thing on on Saturday. I love it. I'll wear it again at some point in time. I almost wore it today. But I am not wearing it on the game on Monday as a way of hopefully creating. Even if I don't believe it works, why not? Why take chances? I'm just going to wear some different clothes on Monday to see if it produces a different outcome. The other thing going kind of like that sort of superstitious bent, I've told you before that as a dog fan who came of age as a child in the 80s and then throughout the 90s is kind of a, you know, heading towards my teenage years, my, like, you know, conversation around Georgia football is just greatly influenced by Larry Munson. Munson was my guy. Obviously, everybody who's kind of of my age sort of feels that same way. Like, my experience of understanding Georgia football came through my ears of hearing the way that Larry Munson talked about the sport, and that was a very good thing. I'm So many happy memories connected for me about that, but as a lot of you are aware, you know, Munson was also one of those guys that, hey, you know, he just sort of saw danger lurking around every corner, and you know, every opponent was the greatest of all time. You know, everything with, with Georgia uh, was just, you know, too much to overcome. And that was just kind of Munson's way here. And a lot of us have kind of an inner Larry Munson when it comes to the way we talk about Georgia football if you came of age during that time. And I've told you before that it's almost one of those things I can't really help. And so there's a part of me that sort of needs to articulate anything bad that could happen as a way of hopefully trying to take the air out of that balloon and take the power out of that idea before you actually get to game day. And along the lines of the superstition of not wearing the same clothes again, because why not just try something different? There's there, there's also this thing of... Um, I, I really feel like that there's a conversation that we had a lot going into the SEC championship game that we're not having as much this week. And it's concerning me a little bit. That Larry Munson voice that sort of lives inside of me it's kind of it's kind of concerning me just a little bit right now. Do you feel like we're talking about Will Anderson enough right now? Because I sort of don't feel like we are. Um, you know, this is a guy that still probably stands alongside a, a, a Bryce Young as kind of a national award-level player. And, my gosh, we spent so much time going into the SEC championship game of saying, hey, you got to stop Bryce Young, but you got to block Will Anderson. That's a very big deal. And Multiple tight ends being used to do that. Big day from Jamari Salyer. Warren McClendon is a way of kind of getting that done. You know, you got to be aware of Will Anderson at all times. And I think the Bryce Young game in the SEC championship was so good 
that it's almost obscured the the ability that Will Anderson has on defense. Now I'm not telling you I think Will Anderson's going to have multiple sacks or you know dominate the game and be the reason why Georgia loses. That's not what I'm saying here. I, what I'm saying is is that I sort of feel like the inner Larry Munson in me, much the same way I'm sort of superstitiously choosing not to wear the same clothes on Monday. There's that sort of inner Larry Munson in me that wants to kind of voice the concern of, hey, it's still important to watch out for Will Anderson. It's still important to block up Will Anderson. It's still very important to be aware of where he is at all times because we certainly talked a lot about that going into the game at the beginning of December, and it seems appropriate to kind of mention that game, <laughs> mention that name here again as we go into the game Monday night here in January there as well. So do with that what you will. A couple other things here really quick. Reminders on this. Tomorrow, 12.30 p.m., we're going to blast out the link for you to be a part of it with us. I'll be live in studio. We're going to be on the air. Now, let me make, make one thing very clear. You will watch this show the same way you watch every other show, all the Dog Nation video platforms. You'll watch it the same way you do all of them. We're going to chase the championship tomorrow at 12.30. But if you want to participate in the broadcast, we're going to send you a link out that you can join. And much like old school, you know, caller-driven talk radio, we're just going to pull up your video feed and let you tell us about the game, tell us what you think a Georgia championship would mean to you and mean to the rest of us here around Dog Nation. We're going to give you 45, 60 seconds or so, just kind of let your voice be heard. And we're going to try to do as many of those as we can over the course of about an hour on air. I have no idea how it's going to work, but we're going to try it and see how it goes and have some fun with all of that uh, tomorrow. I'm actually really looking forward to that. And then on Sunday and Monday from Indianapolis, I'm going to get a big old sack on my uh, shoulder. I'm going to walk around with a uh, bunch of Chase for the Championship t-shirts. And if you can find me, if I can find you, I want to give you one free of charge. Uh, while supplies last, you know, sizes, we'll see how while they last there as well, whatever else. But I'm just going to give out as many of those as I can because I want good vibes heading towards Monday night for the college football playoff national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. By the way, that's our forecast via the Weather Channel. Monday, 27 for a high, I believe, 9 degrees for a low. Um, the wardrobe I took with me to Miami is not what we're taking to Indianapolis. That is all I can say about that. We are getting loaded up on the cold weather gear by the way one more thing here i promise you the folks over at space dogs are looking forward to a big win for uga on monday and they also are looking forward to a great year in the crypto space coming up here in 2022 and if you want to know more about that cryptocurrency world space dogs is a great place to begin for that because they got some really cool uh new products available they can get you involved in crypto and help you understand more about it they can take the mystery out of it for you so check out their website it's dogs.io Dogs, of course, spelled the way it's supposed to be. Even people who are far smarter than me in the in the tech world, the crypto world, they still know how to spell dogs. D-A-W-G-S, dogs.io. Find out about the dog's token, the dog's wallet, the space card. These are all really cool ways to make the transactions you're participating in online safer, more secure. Good UGA people run this. It's a really cool website that teaches you all about the crypto space. Check out dogs.io today. All right, a couple of golden shoes to wrap up our final edition of this program before heading to Indianapolis and, of course, seeing you tomorrow for Chase for the Championship. Golden shoe number one. <laughs> this is kind of funny. I think this is a fake photo, I believe, uh, <laughs> but it's still really funny. CD on Twitter says the officials are prepping for Monday night's game. So you got the uh, crimson colored stripes, <laughs> the Alabama hat on the official, and the... Uh, 
the Alabama official carrying, or should they, the the, uh, the official for the game carrying the Alabama equipment bag. Very funny stuff by CD. Uh, you know, I'm not into ref conspiracies all that much, but I do think that's too funny not to share. So good stuff by CD will make you a golden shoe winner for today. Also, our buddy T-Rock, this is just really clever. So these are his curtains in kind of his man cave type room. If you're watching, you see kind of like the silver gray on the outside, red, white, black. That's the exact stripe of the Georgia football pants made into curtains. That's a really clever idea. And frankly, uh, this is like almost like Dog Nation Daily version of Pinterest. Some of y'all are going to steal this idea. That's really cool and really well done. Uh, I am very impressed by that by our buddy T-Rock. We'll make him a well-deserved golden shoe winner today. I also like the uh, Georgia-themed golf bag there as well. By the way, Gator Hater Countdown. Uh, the reigning national champions, we believe, are going to be heading to Jacksonville in October. Let me tell you something. Those Florida fans are going to hate every second of that. <laughs> What are Georgia fans going to be like in Jacksonville with the national championship trophy in their back pocket? 295 days from right now, we will find out. See you tomorrow. Chase for the championship live on video. Your chance to be a part of it. Then this weekend from Indianapolis, we will talk to you then, everybody. Enjoy it. And on the podcast, time to have the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take your comments here on both the dognation.com comment section, also on Twitter at dognationdaily. By the way, Chad Lockhart had a very funny comment. I showed you on, for those of you who are watching video, obviously you're listening to podcasts, you're not. We do our golden shoes, and T-Rock had the curtains in his man cave room kind of designed like a pair of Georgia football pants, and Chad Lockhart wrote him on Twitter and said, where did you get a pair of Jordan Davis's pants? That's actually really funny from Chad. Also, um, this is kind of a cool thing coming in from uh, Bill Baker, who says, I wonder how good 42-year-old Coca-Cola tastes. It's the 1980." Uh, national champions uh, Coca-Cola bottle. Listen, that's one of the great artifacts of Georgia football history and popping some top and drinking that is uh, uh, going to be uh, pretty fun. One of my friends also tweeted back on that to say you had to drink it before Monday to end the curse. Maybe that might be a good idea here. Uh, Mecca Sir Lowell also checking in to say that he's listening to Dog Nation Daily to pass the time before the game on Monday. Certainly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, Jet Python checks in on Twitter to say, whatever warm clothes you have, you better pack them. It's going to be a, a cold walk until you're in the stadium, minus 11 here in Madison, Wisconsin, where he lives. And that's not the windshield. My goodness, that's cold. Uh, yes, I guess some of the stuff in Indianapolis, you have those like indoor walkways that connect the buildings together, but not going to the stadium necessarily, if I'm looking at that correctly. So, yeah, I'm going to experience the kind of cold this southern blood is very rarely seen uh, coming up. Also, on a more serious and disappointing note, Red Dog One on the Dog Nation comment section said, still having problems listening to the show via the browser. I am in the midst of talking about that with our tech people, people who are smarter than me on this, kind of getting even some of my bosses involved in this. We're going to work really hard to get that fixed for those of you having that frustration. It's I, My understanding is it's only for the people who are listening on that Dog Nation browser. So, we're going to work to get that fixed. Obviously, there's a lot of different ways to listen to the podcast, but for those who are convenient in, in listening there, I am very sorry for that frustration, and it's frustration for me there as well. And, um, I mean, I would say that we're open to anything, including changing a new service provider if we have to. I mean, if we have to just get a new hosting service, we'll just do that because we're going to get that fixed one way or another. Um, so apologies on that, but thank you for being here today on the podcast cool down and if you heard me say this for those of you that normally listen if you want to watch on video tomorrow at 12 30 we'll do chase the championship and we'd love to have you be a part of that so we will see you then 
It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody.